Alder Eskert. Present. Alder Romo. She's here, or she went. Alder Verbeer. Here. Mayor Soglin. Here. Okay, we got a quorum. Uh, so let's do our usual thing of looking at the uh, agenda and seeing which items we will adopt as part of the consent calendar and which items we will separate out. We will definitely separate 10 because we have registrants wishing to speak on that. And let me just inform you that on 6 and 11, we have registrants available to answer questions in support of both of those items. So besides item 10, what else would you folks like separation on Alderman Revere? Thank you, Mayor. I'd like separation on item 19, please. 19. Anything else? Six. Six. Uh, and, and 11, for that Six and 11. Okay. So we have 6, 10, 11, 19. Alderman Rommel? I would like to take number nine off. Nine. Anything else? And you said 10? Yes. Yeah, we've got separation. Mm -hmm. The ones for separation are 6, 9, 10, 11, and 19. Thank you. Any others? Okay, seeing none, I'll take a motion to suspend the rules so we can then adopt those. Alderman Revere? Well, we don't like motion that the president pro tem. Motion, is there a second? I'll second. On suspension, all those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, I have a motion to adopt the reports on 1 through 5, 7, 8, and 12 to 18. Alderman Cheeks? So moved. Is there a second? second? Motion and a second. With the notation that a couple of those are duplicative. Yes. So we will place one on file. Okay. On the question then, which is. Pardon? It says that. Number one. It indicates that. No, no. Okay. So on the balance of the report, all those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. So now, Alderman Rummel. So, uh, item 16 is a report on the TIDs. Did we? Well, Dan's leaving. If you want to reconsider, we have to call him back. There was nothing in Legistar, so no. it's hard to know what whether I want to know more or not. Do you want to reconsider it and somebody grab him? We would move to reconsider. I'll second. Is there a second? All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. So 16 will be part of the agenda now. So we'll take these up in order. Numerically, 6, 9, 10, 11, 16, and 19. 6 is the first item before us. Funding for Sustained Danes, Empower Champions Program. Is there a motion? Uh, motion to approve uh, item number six. Funders are a second. second. There is. And there's a registration from Stacy Reese uh, supporting and available to answer questions representing sustained gain. Alderman Cheeks? Yep. Um, I wonder if Stacy could come up and just say a few words about uh, I know we've supported this in the past, and I uh, wonder if she could say a few words about the program. Right up here. Yeah. Hi. Hello. Welcome. Um, this is a, the Empire Program is a fantastic program. Um, I wonder if you could 
share with us for, for those that might not be familiar sort of what it is and, and why you're asking for our support. I know it's in there, but. Definitely, yeah. Uh, so the Empower Champions Program has been around for our seventh year. Uh, we've had over 75 organizations and businesses um, in the greater Madison region go through this program. It's a year-long program where organizations uh, develop a green team, a sustainability strategy. They implement five sustainability projects that cover anything from transportation, energy efficiency, oh, uh, waste management, um, and we help them with the tracking uh, of those impacts, whether those be carbon emissions, uh, reduction in kilowatt hours, or uh, poundage in, in waste management diverted from the landfill. Uh, we have had over uh, almost 400 projects completed, um, and through that we've been able to save over 1.6 uh, thousand metric tons of CO2 emissions, um, as well as uh, lots of uh, as well as cost savings that we help each organization track. Uh, currently, we have 11 organizations that will be graduating in March, and we're looking for the support for our next year of organizations uh, starting in April. In, in addition to the city, uh, who else do you get support from? We receive support from, uh, we actually are funded through a grant through the EPA for their pollution prevention program, um, as well as uh, MGE. And we have a few corporate sponsors that uh, usually graduates from the program who like to pay it forward. Awesome. Um, I just want to say I'm excited to continue to support this. And um, thank you for being here. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. Are there any other questions? If not, thank you very much. Further discussion? We have a motion to adopt. Discussion? Seeing none. On adoption, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item 9, is there a motion to adopt? Motion to adopt, sir. Thank you. Second. Uh, accepting a 15000 grant from Dane County Build for a health impact assessment for the Worthing Park Shank neighborhood plant study area. Discussion? I pulled this off the agenda because since this probably was um, the application was made, we changed the name of the plan, and I want the resolution to reflect the actual name of the plan, which is the Darbo Worthington Starkweather Neighborhood Plan. So wherever it appears, appears in the resolution. Worthington Park Shank to change it to what Darbo you just said. Worthington Starkweather Neighborhood Plan. We there took a away Shank so it's not really about Shank. Motion and a second. Thank you. On the amendment discussion, saying none. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We have the main motion as amended before us. Discussion. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item 10, is there a motion, please? Uh, move item 10, authorize an allocation of affordable housing funds to support the creation of approximately 160 units of affordable rental housing in Madison. Thank you. Is there a second? second? There is. We have a number of registrations on this. First is Jacob T. Klein, who will be followed by Ron Shepard. Jacob? I was just really here with the intention of being able to answer questions. I'm the developer of uh, 820 Park, which is one of the three projects um, that thus far the city has uh, been working with uh, to put in uh, application to WIDA. Uh, my project is 67 units in phase one of affordable family housing. 
uh, with about 2,000 square feet of commercial space where I'm going to put my corporate offices on Park Street. Um, and then it, 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 it kind of operates as one building that connects to a second phase, which is 36 units, both of which I'm going to submit applications to WIDA for in, um, I believe it's the end of January this year. Thank you. Um, just so everybody's familiar with the location, what's at 820 South uh, Park right now? Uh, currently, it's it's a vacant church supply store. It used to be the Madison Church Supply. That's right at the bend on Park Street? Yep, yep, immediately. St. Mary's side? Immediately south of St. Mary's, yes. Thank you. Further questions? Uh, oh, wait, let's let's take all the registrations then, and then go to questions. Thank you very much. Uh, Ron Shutfitz next, opposing wishing to speak. Ron will be followed by Janet Stockhausen. I have a number of concerns about this project, and, and one of them that's not a concern is uh, that it's going to be low-income housing. Uh, actually, a concern I have is that it might not be 15% low-income housing, 85% low-income housing. It might only be 50% low-income housing because you're being shown a, 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 a concept that's being built in two phases when in reality the current plans is one building with 104 units. There's no two phases about it. There's no way that he can build the parking structure underneath the buildings without building the whole thing. So this is being portrayed as a one-phase, two-phase project, when in reality it's one building that's going to be built essentially all at the same time, and you're being given this way of doing things just to try to get it to go through tonight. And I do not think that that's right. Uh, the residents surrounding this area, for the most part, have many concerns about this property. Mr. Klein did a self-evaluation here that was submitted to you as a, a document for this uh, loan approval. He's giving himself an 8 out of 8 for community notification and support. Well, he may have notified the community, but he does not have support. Uh, I was at a number of the meetings involving this project. I was at one of the steering committee meetings, and from the show of hands and from the the, the uh, people speaking at all these meetings, I don't even see 50% support of this proposed structure. The parking is insufficient. The height and mass of the structure is too big for the location, considering there's single-family residences very close. The the um, there's one property on the corner of Park and, and Haywood that's being left out of this planning concept, and I think that it should be incorporated somehow. Mr. Klein has told you that he's unable to uh, secure purchase of that property. I've talked to the property owner, uh, Carl Zahn, and he says that they just had a go-around, verbal go-around back and forth about the property with Mr. Klein asking how much he wanted for it and Mr. Zahn asking, well, how much are you willing to pay and this went back and forth for some time before Mr. Zahn said, well, will you take it for a million dollars? And at that point, Mr. Klein just said, well, that's ridiculous. No way. And, and there has been no attempt to make an offer since then. I think the city should try to get a mediator to work with the two because you have two bullnosed people here that are trying to decide who should own that property in the future. 
and I think that property is key to making this a successful development. I'm available for questions. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, the next registrant is Janet Stockhouse Houghton. Did I pronounce it correctly? Yeah. It will be filed by Dave Portfield. Hi. I'm one of the near neighbors. Um, my name is Janet Stockhouse, and I live on the 800 block of High Street. And I also have a two-flat that I've owned for 25 years on the 800 block of High Street. And so I'm really interested in things in this neighborhood because I've lived there a long time, and I really like the neighborhood. And I have a bunch of concerns. One is um, I think that the height is just too high, and it's not getting merged into the neighborhood enough because the plans are for a five-story building. And the neighborhood, if you follow the neighborhood plans, the South Park Street and the Greenbush plan really calls for, like, two stories. So I have that as a concern. I think it's um, far too dense in comparison to the rest of the neighborhood. I think there's really insufficient parking on any number of fronts because he's saying it'll be for disabled. Um, some of the housing, some of the apartments will be available for disabled people and there really doesn't seem to be nearly enough parking just in general and then certainly not for disabled where you need two slots to be able to like load and unload and that kind of thing. Um, I also think the project is moving just too quickly. You know, we first heard about this a few months ago. It's already had a lot of iterations, and I know there's deadlines coming up, but um, I also think you want something that's a really good thing in the end, and I think going too fast isn't, you know, not the way to get there. Um, I also agree with the previous comment that it would really make a lot of sense for him to, to have the auto body shop so that the um, entire thing could go along South Park Street. Um, right now he's in, uh, in wanting changes in zoning, and we don't support that. Again, we support the neighborhood plan, which does not have that in there. Um, and in general, um, the, we've formed an, uh, like a little neighborhood group on this, we went to call the Near Neighbors, and we are all in support of uh, affordable housing and housing for the disabled and, and those kinds of things. However, not like this. That's what the issue is. It's just not like this. There's just still far too many problems associated with this building with all those reasons I gave in brief. Thank you. Um, David, David Porfield, who will be followed by Kitty uh, Kokel. Good evening. Thanks for the opportunity. David Porterfield from Moving Out. And the uh, project that we're... Um, uh, proposing is located um, on two locations um, in the south side of Madison, 2330 West Broadway and 1917 Lake Point Drive. And it involves the um, development of uh, 48 um, apartments uh, on those two locations, 12 at the Lake Point Drive and 36 at the uh, Broadway location. Uh, and the inclusion of about 14,000 square feet of uh, a neighborhood center to replace the existing neighborhood center in this location, this neighborhood now. And uh, it's an affordable housing project. We're um, you know, trying to get lined up to be able to be eligible to get WIDA tax credits. This is our second time around with this project. We applied for it last time, and we're in the process of securing our zoning, which would give us, we feel fairly confident, a, a positive score to be able to get an award of tax credits. And I'm available for any other questions you might have. Thank you. Uh, Kitty Kokel, followed by Marissa Burak. <coughs> My name is Kitty Kokel. I live at 1010 Haywood Drive. I live on the block adjacent to the proposed 820 Park Street. Um, I served on the Alders Steering Committee and was a liaison to the rest of my neighborhood. So as we watched five iterations of this project presented within a period of 10 weeks, each time we went back to our neighbors and explained what the project looked like now. Our neighbors to a person support affordable housing. 
and they support affordable housing on this block, but they support it within the confines of the current zoning. This developer is essentially asking the city of Madison for spot zoning. There was a piece of property zoned TSS on the corner of Haywood and Park. He didn't buy that property. Instead, he bought six or seven residential properties and got options on other ones. In his application to the city, he said that the, he described this area as a high-density infill. Well, it's not, because if it was, he wouldn't need rezoning. This is a neighborhood that has single-family homes and duplexes on the block that we're talking about. So the developer bought the wrong piece of property. Now he wants rezoning on the rest of the block, and it's against the neighborhood plan, and the neighbors don't want it. What we want is affordable housing on that block that fits the scale of the neighborhood. Um, my other concern is about the building's proximity located next to the hospital. Helicopter passes over our properties. Last year there was 306 of them. I looked this up. Helicopters are required to keep a height of 300 feet above residential buildings unless or until they're engaged in takeoffs and landings. At those points, that, that helipad at St. Mary's is 105 feet high and it's a block away from our block, and it's a block away from this block. And one of the populations that's slated to be in this building is veterans. I contacted the Community Action Coalition of South Central Wisconsin and asked him, this was after the MOU, if he knew about the, about the helicopters. He did not. And I'm very, very concerned. The seniors were supposed to be part of this affordable housing project. They got dropped. We've had five iterations in 10 weeks. We've had information, I think, that is disinformation. This is not an infill area. Also, in the, in the, in the developer's application to the city, he described pro these properties as run down and student-occupied. I've lived in my house for 17 years, and I have restored it back to its original condition. I have neighbors that live on my block that have lived there 22 years and 30 years. We are not run down student housing. So I'm concerned about how this area was characterized in this proposal to the city. I would be outraged if the city decided to loan this guy money for 30 years, half of it for no interest, under these circumstances. We want an affordable housing project there that we can be proud of and that makes sense for the size and the scale of the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Marissa is next, followed by Jason, whose last name starts with an H. And there's a G in there. No. Thank you. Thank you for uh, allowing us to speak. My name is Marissa Burak. I live at 841 High Street. So I'm about a block away from the proposed development um, at 820 Park Street. Um, while I, uh, I'm a social worker, so I'm very supportive of affordable housing, I have a lot of concerns about how this particular project is going to fit into the neighborhood. It's concerning to me to have something that of such a large size and such a you know, four- and five-story apartment building that's encroaching so deeply into the neighborhood full of homes from the 1930s. I don't think it fits. I don't think it's uh, to scale with the surrounding homes. Right across the street are single-family homes. Across the other street are uh, two-story flats. Um, other recent neighborhood devel developments in our area include the w Ideal, Wingra Point, and Lane Bakery. 
apartment buildings, and all of those projects have kept their height on Park Street. The ideal apartment building does extend into the neighborhood, approximately 145 feet at five stories, which it should be noted would be approximately where the current TSS zoning in this proposal currently ends. My other big concern is, you know, I'm very for affordable housing, and we've heard from the beginning that 85% of this would be affordable. And then over time, we started hearing, oh, we're going to do phase one and phase two, and slowly the portion of this project that's going to end up affordable seems to be getting smaller and smaller, potentially, and could end up at about 50%. That's really concerning to me that we could be rezoning this big chunk of the block for what could, in theory, end up being market rate housing. So those are my main concerns. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Jason Hignock will be followed by Tom Fullis. Thank you for taking the time to listen to us tonight. Um, my name is Jason Hagenau. I live at 841 High Street as well, about a block away from the proposed development. Um, I was also a member uh, of the steering committee. Um, and I guess my biggest concern with, with this development is, is the density, bringing, bringing that much, uh, that number of people, number of apartments into a neighborhood that really is set for more low and medium density, um, and, and the neighborhood plan is laid out for low and medium density housing stock. Um, I, I also think that there wasn't a lot of... While I appreciate getting in on the front end with the steering committee, um, I feel like there could have been a little more work on the front end in doing a better job um, proposing some some design um, to make it fit into the neighborhood better. Um, and I'm also concerned with the, the, the fact that that um, auto body place did not get purchased when really, I mean, the that, that's what that area is set up for is is this type of housing that kind of high density housing so um, changing the zoning and pushing it back into the neighborhood just it, it, it it's going to change the landscape it's going to change the feel of the neighborhood and I really feel it it will be detrimental to the neighborhood going forward thank you thank you Tom is next and I'm just here to answer questions okay Thank you. And Melissa Huggins is registered supporting be able to answer questions. What I'd like to do, we've got a number of projects uh, covered by 10. So the first thing I want to do is ask if there are any questions of any of the registrants on anything other than the Park Street proposal, other than Park Street. Alderman Rommel? And Madison on Broadway. Please. I guess oh, <laughs> I was expecting to happen, but I don't. Am I asking of the? Oh, yeah, yeah, please. Anybody or that the registrants? I guess I would ask. Yeah, okay. You're going to buy this from the CDA. There's is there a lease agreement or a sales agreement that's not part of this document? And I guess I'll ask staff to also talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we. There is one being negotiated, I guess, is how I would characterize it. It's just about there. So the um, property was originally the, the not the not the property on Hoboken, 
for the property directly on Broadway. It was originally under contract by moving out to purchase it from a private developer. And to support their tax credit application last year, the CDA purchased that property on their behalf and gave them an option uh, to develop affordable housing on that site. Um, the process is currently working its way through the CDA to approve that option for them to purchase that property. So it's not a property you've owned for some time, and it's just a recent part of this? No. They actually, yeah, they assumed their um, option, to, they assigned their option to purchase to the CDA, and the CDA exercised that option last year. When they didn't receive tax credits, uh, I think the CDA did um, tell them that we would entertain entering into the option on the same terms, assuming they could get the other pieces of the transaction put together. And then in the um, record, there was also comments about the kind of opportunity to have the neighborhood center. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Uh, we actually approached the developer about the opportunity to have the neighborhood center. Uh, the structure, I think, would be something like the CDA um, would purchase a condominium interest on the first floor and then be allowed to lease that space, and it would be our intent to lease that space in part to the neighborhood center. This was really a way for us to take advantage of tax incremental financing to further the redevelopment of that uh, Lake Point uh, area. Thank you. That's, I think, mostly my questions. Okay. Any other questions on anything uh, on this subject? Okay. Anything, any questions on any of the project covered other than South Park Street? Okay. In that case, Natalie, before we go to questions, we've got a frame of reference here. Um, can you explain what this project is, or Jim, do you want to take the lead on this? So I'll let Jim um, provide most of the information, but as you know, the City of Madison and its Affordable Housing Initiative put out a request for proposals to developers who are going to develop uh, properties that would be primarily funded through Section 42 uh, tax credits. And that's an application that would get filed in January of 2016 that, that developers would file. The request for proposal indicated that the city would provide um, financial assistance, which one is meant to help them score better on uh, their tax credit application, but also is meant to fill gaps in the housing. There were three developments which you've seen. One of them was the Park Street development. I'd like to uh, give you all a little more background in terms of where each of these developments are in the land use approval process. All three of the developments have already or will be submitting land use approvals to, to either get conditional uses or to rezone their properties. Um, the 820 South Park Street property has gone to UDC, has not yet gone to the Plan Commission, but will be required to go to the Plan Commission for approvals. So each of these developers is in the process of moving through those land use approvals, which include things like design, height, density, parking, etc. The funding that's before you is really the funding to support those projects, and our funding commitments are contingent on receipt of land use approvals as well as receipt of affordable housing tax credits and other things. Have I missed something there, Jim? I missed anything. You haven't left me <laughs> anything. <laughs> <laughs> but if folks have questions, I'd be okay. happy to try to help answer them. Uh, question of staff? Mm -hmm. Okay, go ahead. Okay. 
Thank you. So, Jim or Natalie, either one of you, if you could just provide a little bit more context of what exactly we would be funding tonight when it comes to the South Park Street application. Because we've talked about this project in kind of full form, and I think it's helpful to differentiate which pieces we're talking about tonight and what funding, what that would kind of, what that would mean for the developer in terms of what they would need to provide based on our funding. So we recognize two, two distinct projects within that um, A20 um, larger project. Um, and the one that we are uh, offering financial support to is um, that which would uh, propose to add 67 housing units, 56 of which would be affordable. Um, that proposal sought $1.12 million from affordable housing funds. Um, this recommendation is offering a little bit more than that, $1.25 million. The difference um, is a result of our request of, of the developer to um, increase the number of three-bedroom units that would serve um, very low-income households. And um, as a condition of providing that additional assistance, um, he's indicated his willingness to do that. So um, there is a, a second phase of 36 Unit phase, 30 of which are uh, proposed to be affordable units. We are not recommending funding at this time for that project. Okay. At this point, can we have, no, I have one follow-up? Yes. Um, just so, Natalie, you mentioned the land use process that's happening kind of on a parallel track. Can you um, tell us all, including all of the residents here tonight, kind of the options for approval on that? Because we've kind of talked about this in two phases, but it's coming in as one application. Is that Correct, and can you tell us more about right. what that means? I don't have a uh, – the application for – I believe it's a plan amendment um, because of, of where on the block our current plans for that area called for higher density versus lower density, as well as a conditional use for more than 25 units of housing in one, any one location are items that must be approved by the plan commission. Um, it, the, the application is for both phase one and phase two for those land use approvals. Mm-hmm. I have a question. So Jim said there were two projects, but you're also talking about phase one and phase two. So can you sort of help me understand what phase two is versus the project we're not funding? So phase two is the project that we're not funding, and we're not funding it because it's, it's not that we don't like it. It's that we chose to support just one application at this location. It had to do with getting housing in other areas as well. So when we looked at their total application for phase one and phase two, the amount of funding that was needed, we chose to just choose one of those applications to WIDA. The land use approval has an underground parking, so a plinth that serves both phase one and phase two. So if they were to get... Um, affordable housing credits for phase one with our funding they would have the funding they need to build phase one potentially they might not get credits or sufficient funding for phase two which means they'd have to put in the parking with phase one funded and and phase two they'd have to either apply for credits again or find some other way to get it funding to put that on top of the second part of the the parking structure so they have to put all the parking in first and you um, said that there's a plan amendment. So that, to me, I, I, what I hear the neighbor saying is incursion into the neighborhood is 
translated into a plan amendment. So can you talk about the plan and how it got to this, you know, because did it go to the plan commission already? Or it has it not. It has gone to the Urban Design Commission, and I believe it got a preliminary approval with a, a request for more work on the design portion. Um, and I might not be 100% accurate since I don't handle this on a day-to-day -day basis, but my understanding is that neighborhood plan, the neighborhood plan for that area, has the front half of the block being higher density and those back half of the block um, being more single-family in nature and really looking and design, defining in the middle of that block a place where you transition from the Park Street density to the low-rise neighborhood density. This project pushes that line back further than what was drawn in our plan. And so it's that space between where the line was drawn in the plan and where this development goes that um, is requiring, it's either a plan amendment or a rezoning. I think it's rezoning. rezoning, a rezoning. I wasn't sure where they came out on that. Mm -hmm. Or also a rezoning. Could it be three actions um, if the plan is, needs to be changed? I think it's just the rezoning. Okay, now uh, let me just ask, we've got the staff background on this. Are there questions for any of the registrants? All the ministers? I could ask some questions of Mr. Klein, please. So obviously I'm pretty familiar with this proposal, but since it's in my district, but for all of my colleagues, um, I think it would be helpful if you could tell us a little bit more about the phasing and what that would mean for you, kind of play out the different scenarios of what might happen with phasing and and how that relates to your applications before the city and before WIDA. Yeah, it might be helpful like, to get yeah, the site plan. Thank you. <laughs> and so really, so WIDA has uh, a cap on the amount of credits that one project can get and so that cap is 850,000 per year and so yeah I started looking at it and with 103 units you really need about is it just off the top of the head excuse me just I'm sorry to do this back up but can you why you got that up there before we go any further can you show us where the line is now in the line you're proposing be in terms of the rezoning? Um, yeah, I, I wish I would have actually brought the... Um, what's up? So essentially, it's basically on this block, it's here. Um, on this block, it was all the way here, up here, because it just went for the lot line. So essentially, we're pulling it back to almost in line with where it is on the rest of Park Street. So, um, and in addition, these houses are now going to be rezoned as TR, uh, TR3, TRC3, which is actually in keeping with the rest of the neighborhood and making it more uh, homeownership and family occupied. So we're moving it back. I think we estimated about uh, 100 feet, roughly. Yeah. But it's in keeping with what happens here and what happens. Yeah, it kind of like squares it up from where it comes down here, except right now it goes right about here. Okay. And so as part of this, I don't, we didn't mention it before, but we're moving one house from the three houses here on the corner of Brooks and Delaplane are in the roughest shape. So we're going to move one house from Haywood here 
up to Brooks and the two from Delaplane up to Brooks as part of trying to clean up Brooks Street. We're going to put in new driveways, new landscaping, and really improve improve that, that side of the block. But going back to, you know, the real the reason to have two buildings that really operate as one is so that you can make two applications to WIDA uh, and, and stay under that 850000 per per deal credit cap. Can I follow up, Mr. Mayor? Please. Um, so we've talked about phase one, which just for my colleagues is the darker blue building, is the phase one building, the one on Delaplane. Um, and so the city's recommending funding for phase one. What would you propose? What is your thought of what to do with phase two right now, and kind of what are the contingency plans if you don't get funding for that? Well, worst case scenario, I would I would just, you know, use my own funds to build the parking garage. Start with best and then walk okay. us back. Okay, so best case scenario, I'd get... Take it slow. I, best case scenario, I'd get uh, funding from WIDA for both projects, and then... Um, you know, start construction fall of, of next year. If I got construct, if I got uh, WIDA credits for the 67, but not the 36, um, I'm hoping that in the next year, in the city's 2016 cycle, um, I would uh, reapply for city funds for that project and look at alternative sources of, of financing that. I spoke with WIDA over last week uh, uh, at the developer conference they had. And Sean O'Brien had mentioned to me that WIDA has some other financing options that they could do for the 36-unit building. So it would still be a, a mix of affordable and, and market rate units, but not as low income, not as low targeted as it, in a 9% application. I have a follow. Uh, <clears throat> so, following that same explanation. Can you talk about the, uh, the way that the ratio of low-income housing to non-low-income housing would, would follow in sort of best and worst-case scenarios, as you described? So with the 67 unit, that's going to be 85% affordable, 15% market rate. And uh, when you say affordable, what are you – is that Section 42 or – Yeah, Section 42. So uh, I don't know have the exact – you know, unit targeting off the top of my head, I could get that to you, but let's just say for the sake of discussion, probably 20, 20 to 23 percent of the units are at 30 percent AMI, okay. so extremely low income, two of which are now three bedrooms um, that the city asked for. I kept essentially the same WIDA scoring for both the phase one and the phase two building. Uh, this one, the phase two building just has uh, a two less points because it has uh, less of a percentage of three bedrooms. And so the, my intent was to always to get both deals to build at once. Um, this one right now is the same. It's 85% affordable. Um, in the worst-case scenario, you know, if, if we did it with tax-exempt bonds, it would probably be somewhere 65% affordable, 35% market rate. Um, and if we used WIDA's uh, other financing, kind of like what Stonehouse did um, in Shorewood, I think that that one's about 40% affordable, 60% market rate. Thank you. Further questions? Alderman Rommel. Um, I know you said it, but can you 
before you tell me about the demo again, show me. Do you have like a, a site existing condition map, so so we could see what the houses are that are being, some of which will be moved. I didn't bring that. I can. I mean, I could get so that. Can you then describe or and point out where there are houses now that would be leaving? Okay, so right now there's five houses on Brooks, three houses on Haywood, and two houses on Dell Plain, and so. 914 Haywood would get moved to 831 South Brooks, which is currently a, a two-story duplex. Um, 909 Delaplane will, would be moved to uh, 825 South Brooks, and uh, 911 Delaplane would be moved to 827 South Brooks. And then uh, 9, would it be? 914 Haywood would be deconstructed, 922 Haywood would be deconstructed, 930 Haywood would have new siding put on, um, 9, what is that one, 831 South Brooks would have uh, like a new driveway and new front entry put on. So we're, in addition to moving the, the better of the houses, to replace the worst condition houses, we're also upgrading both uh, the remaining houses on, on Brooks. Can you answer several people who testified, talked about the auto body shop, and I assume that's that little brown thing that, at the corner, and and with this, if there's any opportunities there at this point? Every time I've spoken with the owner there, we've been unable to reach anything that's reasonable as far as a cost to acquire that. And when I say reasonable, I mean within, you know, the standards that I've paid for, for other properties. Can you generally tell us what those standards were? Um, I believe on, I'm somewhere around, oh, I've got a chart that puts this all together. I want to say somewhere around like 40. I want to say 40 bucks a foot off the top of my head. But if I can spend a half a second doing some math, I can get a better answer. No problem. Yeah, about 45 bucks a foot. Okay, my next question is, somebody mentioned the helicopter pad. And, you know, I, I assume when they mentioned veterans, they're talking about uh, PS, PTSD and the kind of... So can you sh show us where that would be, where the helicopter pad is, and just so we have a sense of what that looks like? Oh, you know, I'd really defer to St. Mary's on that. I think... Somebody, I mean, somebody here probably knows. I, I mean, I'm assuming it's right here where this cross is. Mm -hmm. I think so. Anecdotally, that's where I see them land. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like right here, I think. And I, I don't know how many stories up it is off the top of my head. But, you know, I, I guess my, you know, I'm working with CAC to refer. They'll be referring veterans to the project. So I would just, you know, we would obviously work out uh, to make sure that residents, potential residents that have trigger issues related to helicopters wouldn't be referred to this project. 
Thanks for reminding me about CAC. Thank, that's all I've got for now. Further questions of any of the registrants? Alderman Rummel? I don't put your name, but Kitty Coco? I just to give you a chance, having heard the questions and some of the comments, to have, if you have anything else to add. Thank you. Um, you know, you heard the developer talking about improving the, the houses on Brook Street. He's owned some of those houses since April of 2011. He hasn't done anything to fix them up. And I don't know why we need to rezone a piece of property for this gentleman to fix up residential housing that he owns. So I think that that's an issue. Um, I think that this little piece of land is the shortest distance between lakes in the city of Madison. It's the gateway for the Arboretum. In that Arboretum are Indian mounds that are, were built between 700 A.D. and 1000 A.D. In that, Ar that Arboretum is the nar largest natural area in the city. And this project is in no way a gateway for that space. One of the reasons that we feel so strongly about single-family housing and owner-occupancy is because this little strip of land is heavily traveled. It's heavily traveled by people on bicycles, ladies with little kids in strollers, and our presence in this neighborhood makes this neighborhood calmer and it makes this neighborhood safer. And we made a big sacrifice in about 2000 or 2001 to St. Mary's Hospital. St. Mary's Hospital wanted to increase their hospital building up another four stories in the block, and they also wanted to increase the parking structure that's on Lake Wingra up three or four stories. We neighbors worked with St. Mary's Hospital and said, you know what, don't take this, this big building into the neighborhood. Instead, have a visible presence on Park Street, which at that point in time, St. Mary's didn't have. You couldn't, you could see the hospital from Park Street, but it was behind some shops and some homes. And we basically were willing to sacrifice some of the single family homes in that neighborhood because we thought it made sense for the city. Because we thought it made sense for everybody. We thought it was the best solution. Now that parking structure and that office building is being used as the justification to go up five stories all the way down Park Street, where before the closest tall building down Park Street was Meritor Hospital. And so we feel like we have done, we've made some commitments uh, as neighbors. We, we want to see low-income housing. We're not afraid of that. We're, we're interested in that. My job, I, I, I work for the, I, I provide food to the food pantries all over the state of Wisconsin. That's what I do for a living. So I, I welcome the opportunity to help some people. But it needs to be to scale. And I think the fact that we made that sacrifice and that trade-off in the past is now staring us in the face in the form of, let's see how high we can go here. And, and Haywood Drive, Mrs. Haywood's house, is one of the casualties of this project. And we don't think that's a good idea. We don't think it's a good idea. He wants to go up four stories on Haywood. And take a look at that building. It's curled in on itself like the letter C. And there's a little chunk missing in the bottom corner. And that chunk, if you put that piece in, those people are walled in because that's four, five stories and four stories. That's not the kind of housing I'd like to see my neighbors have to live in. There's not going to be any sunlight in that building. 
It's, 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 we, we want something there, but we want the right thing. And nobody ever asks us the question, what would you guys like to see here and what could you support? Instead, we, we, we were exposed to example after example, iteration after iteration of buildings that didn't fit the neighborhood. And we were relegated to this role of naysayers. And frankly, one of us works for an affordable housing uh, 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 management company. We've got several social workers. We have teachers. The spirit and the essence of all of us is let's build something on that block, but let's build something wonderful. Let's build something that is a gateway to the arboretum. Let's build something that real neighbors, our neighbors, would live in. And this is not it. This is not it. Any further questions? I'm, I'm sorry, I have a question. Um, Katie? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> you, you mentioned earlier that we uh, want affordable housing that we can be proud of. Um, you also mentioned that you, you had never been, been asked how the developer should, how the property owner should develop property on their land. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to offer you the opportunity to um, describe what is affordable housing that you can be proud of. Um, and, and I'll preface by inserting a few thoughts that I have as I observe this. Is, um, as our city continues to grow rapidly, um, certainly increased density is um, something that we are already experiencing a great deal of and will continue to experience. Um, and as it relates to uh, locating low-income people, or even, you know, Section 42 is predominantly for moderate-income people. I mean, we're talking about first-year public school teachers, right? Mm -hmm. um, uh, but as it relates to people that, that have yeah. um, modest incomes, it seems to me that being um, in sort of the heart of the city, being right here is one of the best places that you could be, being right on a bus line, being right next to one of the primary hospitals in in Wisconsin, for that matter, um, it seems like phenomenal location. And for that matter, having um, – I, I will describe these people as real neighbors. Um, having real neighbors have access to the Arboretum seems like a phenomenal opportunity. Um, but you have, I think, maybe a different vision. Um, can you describe what would be affordable housing that you would be proud of? The Greenbush Neighborhood Plan, the revitalization, the, the revised plan of 2010, has some beautiful illustrations in it of a series of structures, townhouses, two-story, that are, and right now the current zoning on the back of that block will allow up for up to a four-family unit. The thing that the developer wants to rezone once he's done with what he's doing, he wants to rezone it to something smaller. Right now you can build a four-unit building on that property. So I... The plant's got some beautiful illustrations of townhomes that have green spaces around them and some connected community space where sunlight can fall, where kids can play. Um, it, it, it shouldn't look like an institution. The thing we ask people to live in should not look like an institution. It should not look like a compound. Um, I want something that looks like home for people. Um, and and they're, they're, you know the, the plan spells it out. The, the illustrations are terrific, um, and our neighbors have had a lot of conversation about this. We'd support that. In that scenario, um, instead of 
What are we looking at? 160 units? How many units do you imagine? We He's proposing 103 between building one and building two right Thank now. You. Thank you. And there are 163 bedrooms okay. in that structure. Um, you know, the scale of the, I don't know what the density is. By the way, one of the reasons this guy is asking for the density he's asking for is he's putting a 2,000-square-foot office on the first floor of this building. Well, this is a TSS district that he's asking for rezoning for, traditional shopping, street shopping. There's no opportunity for somebody to walk into this business and buy an ice cream cone or, or pay a bill or do anything. So the density that he's getting for this project is at least 30, I think it's 33% higher just because he's putting a 200 square foot, 2,000 square foot office in there. That's not right because it's not benefiting the neighborhood. So to your question, right now the, the zoning will allow for four, four family units, and I think that block could be developed beautifully with that kind of scale. You said four, four units that would each be four, 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 four families? So 16 units? Is that, I don't, I'm trying to follow your... I'm saying that the... the, 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 the City zoning will allow for a four-family unit on a property right now. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the property lines look like, and I, I don't know how that it would be carved up. But I will tell you this. If, if, if the city wants to take another go at this, the neighbors are very willing to work to come up with a solution that is wonderful, that is good for people. We'll, we'll work with, with this as long as we need to to get there. Well, the city's not taking a go at it, right? The developer's taking a go at it. And the city's if the city gives them money, then the developer's going to take a go at it. And if the city zones it, rezones it, the developer's going to take a go at it. And if the city rezones it, the developer doesn't have to take the tax credits. Unless a conditional use is put on this, he could develop the whole thing market rate. We have no guarantees that we're not getting a pig in a poke here. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> questions? Questions for any of the other registrants? All right, if not, um, motion be. Do we have a motion? Yeah, we have a motion. <laughs> we do, yeah. And a second. Discussion on the question. Alderman Rommel? Can we separate the other two out and dispense with them? Do I need to make a motion to You can that? separate the, this one packet. There are three in here in total? Mm -hmm. Yes, there's one in You can take separation, yes. To separate out 820 Park Street. Is there a second? Second. On the question of separation, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Uh, do you want to take the other two first? The motion before us is adoption. On the other two, which is the uh, Broadway Lake Point projects Butler. and the Butler. Discussion on those. Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. We now have a motion to adopt on the Park Street. Discussion on Park Street. Alderman Eskridge. I'll start out the discussion. I think it's really important that we differentiate, and this is why my line of questioning really focused on the financial questions that are before us tonight, because we've heard a lot about the 
this proposal as it pertains to the plan commission decision on this project. And I think it's really important that as a board, we consider our scope of responsibility and that there's going to be a lot of further work on this proposal when it gets to the appropriate governing body for that, for that time and place. And so I think when it comes to the financing of this project, particularly um, phase one, which is the phase that's closer to St. Mary's, that's the piece of the project that from the very beginning of when I've been briefed on this has been less controversial. Um, it, it less impacts the neighborhood nearby because it's right by St. Mary's. And I think that financing for this proposal is appropriate and brings much vitality and potential for uh, further reinvestment and reinvigoration of Park Street, and that's something that I very much support. Further discussion, Alderman Rommel. Yes, I have a concern about, like, demolishing five buildings, moving to, and and creating this bigger footprint that changes, at least it, it, it goes against at least the, the spirit of the neighborhood plan, whether you can argue it's, you know, a recommendation versus a requirement. I've been through that, but... You know, people have you know, said many times over that, you know, they feel that this neighborhood is being uh, ha having incursions on. And it's happened every time we've seen something go down um, Park Street. And so at some point, I guess I started thinking last night when I was reading through this, when is it different than clear-cutting, like, urban renewal? I just, I don't, it's in the name of, like, you know, I just don't know. I I think there's a reason we want to put high de higher density development on Park Street. But I just kind of struggle with what the transition is to the, the single-family neighborhood, and and obviously Park Street's a more high, more of an arterial than say Willie Street is, although they probably have similar traffic counts. But <laughs> as far as spatially, it's a bigger street. Mm -hmm. But I think if that happened on Willie Street, and it's obviously different, everyone would just be alarmed that we were digging up into the neighborhood. So I, in the spirit of what, representing what my neighborhoods. They're trying to think about like how is what's the best way that we can provide more housing in a way that also kind of create helps um, protect the the culture and not culture so much but the um, how the neighborhood the character of these neighborhoods. Further discussion on the question, Alderman Kenny. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. I have a question to Alder Essert. Um, could you speak to um, the comment or the last comment that um, the residents had no input into final decisions? I just need clarification on that. And um, As I drive down Park Street, I see a lot of development, a lot of development. And um, I understand that there is a struggle to increase you know, housing stock, I get that. But would you speak to that statement, because that kind of lingers out there for me. Sure, if I could respond. Um, so when this proposal came to me, I'm going to not remember dates correctly, but we formed a neighborhood steering committee that has been mentioned that um, most of the people who came and participated tonight were either direct members of or um, kind of consulting uh, members of. And that allowed for, very intentionally, neighborhood input from a very early stage. So the project iterations were already there. I don't think there can be an expectation that a developer who owns property is going to come to this 
neighbors or the city without any thoughts on how that property is going to be developed. But coming with some initial plans that actually were dramatically different than the plans that we saw today, which include demolition, included demolition of all of the houses on South Brook Street. And I would say in response to the feedback and to the iterations of the many uh, proposals that we went through over those 10 weeks that were discussed, um, got to what I see as a much better proposal. Maybe it's not quite yet where it's going to be, um, but I think those are the reasons that we have a plan commission process to make those decisions um, and to hear that input even further from the neighbors who are quite well informed about this project. And I think it speaks to where they're at, that they've been able to see the iterations and think through the rezonings in such a well-informed way because we have had such a thorough process when it comes to this proposal. So to say that there hasn't been neighborhood impact or input into this project I don't think is correct. To say that some neighbors are still not happy with the, the proposal that's before us, that's definitely correct. So there's a difference in those statements that's pretty significant when you look at where the proposal came to us um, at and where it's at now. Further questions or discussion? Seeing none on the question, which is adoption, we'll come to a vote. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. No. Motion carries. Uh, that takes us to item number 11. Is there a motion? Uh, move item number 11. Second. Thank you. Motion is second. Dean Loomis, who's spending a good deal of his day <laughs> here in this room, uh, having early attended the press conference. Um, Bash Vouchers is here supporting and available to answer questions. Discussion on 11. Evan Chase. Thank you for being here, Mr. Loomis. Um, if you can join us. Um, I'm not, uh, I, I wasn't able to be at CDBG the day that this was discussed, and so I'm, I'm going to take a little bit of personal privilege and ask you to, um, uh, for, the, for my benefit and for the benefit of others, uh, you know, obviously, you do great work, but if you can just describe a little bit about the work that you do broadly and specifically this project, um, I think it would be helpful and encouraging to people. Sure. Twenty years ago, Madison Development Corporation bought these two properties and have been running it as a, uh, an affordable housing project uh, for those years. Uh, they wanted to raise some capital for a, a new project that they're are going to construct uh, and uh, they were going to uh, offer those up on the market, uh, open market. Uh, the concern being is that these are 14 units of a for, uh, permanently affordable units in the downtown area that we would lose. Uh, the uh, Alder uh, Riddell, uh informed us of this, so we negotiated with Frank and uh, made him an offer for those property to keep them affordable. Uh, our plan is to continue to run uh, the program that uh, MDC has for these properties and then uh, slowly over time replace them with uh, our target population, which is homeless and mentally ill, uh, with a, a focus on, as we all are right now, on veterans. Uh, but the, uh, there will be no relocation. There will be no displacement. Uh, the, the building does have... Uh, uh, Turnover regularly. Uh, all uh, the all the uh, leases come up in the usual downtown August 15th time, and at, uh, so between uh, the time we purchase it and then 
uh, what we will be focusing on is uh, uh, rehab, rehab uh, some upgrades, and then slowly replace folks as, as they leave. Great, thank you. And thank you for um, your commitment to, to the community. I, I don't have any additional questions. Any other questions? Seeing none on the motion, which is adoption of 11. All those in favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item 16. Is there a motion? I move item 16. There is a second. There is. Second. Questions? Alderman Rommel. I didn't see a report in Legistar, and I was eager to learn more from Mr. Old. There are two reports. Uh, staff just realized that we're not attached to your papers. Uh, there's one page, two one page reports. There was a miscommunication about what should be attached to your agenda. Apologize for that. This is simply an informational item from uh, for the Board of Estimates. The city will be uh, under the adopted budgets. There are two items that will require the use of the so-called half-mile rule in 1032 and 1037. Uh, the use of the half-mile rule in 1032 is for the implementation of the uh, retail grant program uh, that is already, already been approved by the council. We're simply bringing this to your attention because we'll be going to the board, uh, joint review board for their approval of the use of the half-mile rule. The TIB 37 item is for infrastructure expenditures within the half mile of TIB 37 to support the project uh, Joe Krupp is proposing at 2807 Atwood Avenue. There will be some undergrounding to allow his redevelopment to move forward there. We'll be undergrounding some utilities. Um, if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Otherwise, that's the full report. All in all. So we used to be kind of worried about the Joint Review Board. Are they of these kind of requests, or what's their the temper of the times lately? I won't speak for them, but it's my impression that these um, relatively minor requests or for the use of the half-mile rule should be fairly simple and straightforward. Now, those things have been known to smite us from on high when we make those proclamations, but given the relatively small dollar amounts and the minimal impact, on uh, estimated closure dates for both of these districts. Uh, staff has no reason to believe at this time that there's any major concerns from the Joint Review Board members for these two items. Thank you. Any other questions? If not, thank you very much, sir. On the question of adoption, discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Takes us to 19. Is there a motion? Uh, move item 19. Is there a second? Second. There is. Discussion. Alderman Revere. Thank you, Mayor. I separated this, hoping that Mr. Schmidtke could walk us through this annual year-end appropriation resolution with particular emphasis on identifying which agencies um, need the uh, additional appropriation from the um, balance. Um, in other words, it didn't have offsets. And I see that there, it seems to me that there's more than usual in prior years, especially in the area of retirement payouts. So could you just walk us through this, please, Dave? Uh, 
Sure. Um, so this uh, is the year-end appropriation resolution uh, that we do every year. Uh, we do it to address um, any uh, areas and agency budgets where uh, they need additional appropriation authority because of um, ex expected expenditures that are um, above uh, the amounts that were budgeted. We also do it because it helps us under the state expenditure restraint program if we uh, maximize um, sort of our budget room to set up the base for the subsequent year. So this will help us with any sort of um, overruns we might see um, in the 2016 uh, budget as well as establish a base to help us with the 2017 budget. So if you look at the um, this table that is in uh, your packet, um, that shows by agency and by uh, major um, expenditure lines the amount of the changes. And I'll just walk through each of these very quickly. The first is um, in miscellaneous appropriations, we provide a uh, support amount to the zoo. We pay 20% of the operating costs. And uh, we've had to make adjustments in prior years. It's based on the agreement with the county. Um, costs were a little bit higher, and uh, revenues from the zoo itself were a little bit lower than what was estimated. So our share was about $22,000 higher than what was expected. In the council budget, um, there's some additional postage and meeting costs above those budgeted. Uh, both of those amounts would be um, uh, would affect the um, uh, the general fund balance. In the uh, Economic Development Division, uh, wages and fringe benefits, you can see the amounts there. Um, we've had issues in that budget where we try to make estimates of how much uh, staff time will be charged to TIDS, and uh, as you can see, um, there will be some shortfall there. There's also some retirements, and we'll see that in many agencies um, where we have retirement payouts, uh, for things like sick leave, escrow, and some of that, when we look at it citywide, we're actually slightly under budget, but in some of these specific agencies, we're over budget. Um, in finance, same sort of thing. We had some retirements. We also have the ambulance billing contract there, and if there's more work done associated with collections, which is what happened this year, we have to increase the appropriation. We're also seeing higher revenues, so that's on the general fund revenue side. Uh, about $450,000 higher there, so there is some um, offset there as well. Uh, we had some overtime to pay in the fire department, uh, about $300,000. They weren't able to fill positions quickly enough, and then some um, fringe benefits. Most of that, I think all of that is offset by savings in other parts of the fire department budget. Uh, in human resources, uh, they will typically see some uh, overruns, especially with the EAP program, most of this $46,000 is for the contract, the outside contract to provide EAP services um, to employees in, in certain situations, and that's where um, uh, there is a, an overrun there. The Parks Department, again, some um, uh, retirement payouts associated with that, that will be offset by savings in other parts of the Parks uh, Division budget. Uh, same with the Police Department. Um, where about um, half of that will be offset in other areas, so about be roughly a $200,000 um, effect on the general fund balance. In streets, um, some retirement payouts, um, as well as uh, lower uh, revenues from recycling, uh, so the sale of recycling materials because commodity prices were lower than what was 
uh, used to um, develop the budget originally. And then we've put in um, additional funding in the event that we have a worst-case scenario for snow events. Um, we don't expect that um, to happen, but that does help lift that expenditure budget base for uh, expenditure restraint purposes. Um, the, uh, in traffic engineering, again, some uh, fleet costs and retirement payouts, and then in the treasurer, some overtime um, and credit card charges. There's also some uh, departmental revenue adjustments in the fire department. Um, one of the areas was uh, elevator inspection fees came in less than estimated. Same with uh, municipal courts, less revenues there, as well as um, for certain departmental revenues in parks. And then based on uh, claims that we're seeing in the insurance fund, uh, we need to make a half-million-dollar appropriation from the general fund to the insurance fund uh, to offset higher um, claim payments. Probably the uh, net effect of all of this is about a million-and-a-half um, uh, dollar uh, expenditure effect on the um, uh, the general fund balance associated just with this appropriation. But if we look at general fund revenues, these appropriations, other re-estimates, uh, we'll probably at this time uh, see about, we're roughly in balance, maybe a half a million dollars um, ahead. Some specific follow-up questions, if I could, sure. please. Thank you for the overview. First of all, the library wins the prize for actually being here tonight. For the newer members of the board, typically the agencies are here in larger numbers to, in case there are questions about their particular overruns. I don't know why they aren't here tonight. Uh, but but do you, did you mention the library? I did. So that's the last item here. So they just have, again, retirement payouts. We expect that to be offset completely by savings in other areas in the library, so there probably will be no effect on the library fund balance from this. Thank you. And then some other specifics, starting with the one that usually wins the prize year after year, the police department. Reading the text of your resolution, Dave, it, it looks like they um, deserve credit for actually not going over their overtime. Is that, am I reading this correctly, that almost the vast majority of the other years that I've sat at this table, they've always gone over their overtime line item that, so there are projections the right now is that they'll be, with all the extraordinary events, they didn't they'll be within their budget for overtime as well as salaries overall. Good for them. And then I was curious, what are the departmental revenues that are offsetting this so much for the cops? Um, it's largely related to um, salary line items. And we have to remember the 15 budget um, is the year that there was we kind of have two budget figures because it was the year that we um, took the 15 budget that you adopted in the former process and then reflected it into Munis. Mm -hmm. And so um, there was a little bit of an interaction with um, the way that positions were, costs of positions were projected. And so um, based off of that um, and how actuals have flowed out, we have, um, we have some savings in, in that in, the, in that major set of accounts. In the body of the resolution, it says that higher than anticipated departmental revenues. Do, is that like, is that perhaps federal grants or it's like special, training? Special duty assignments, um, training revenues, um, reimbursements for um, parts and ammunition from the training center, and then a donation to cover the capital canines costs. Okay. So. Those total about $139,000. Mm -hmm.
Very good. And then moving on to streets, I'm just going in the order of the body of the resolution here. Going on to, to streets, I know that we started this a couple of years ago where we get ERP room by anticipating more Mother Nature being unkind to us, which hopefully, of course, doesn't exist. Could you just give us, um, Dave, where, as of today, how much streets division is over without, you know, giving them all this extra room that right. hopefully they'll never need? So if it's sort of a normal winter... Uh, for the remainder of the year, uh, that number would be 100,000 instead of 934,000. So we've got probably 834,000 more for, you know, budgeting for a more, you know, more major events happening than probably will otherwise happen. Sorry, so does that include the the lost recycling revenue? And well, I'm just talking about okay. that one line of lease rental of equipment on the sheet where it mm-hmm. says 934,000. Then overall, approximately how much is streets over if you take it all together? And uh, probably and about um, a half a million. Okay. That sounds a lot better. <laughs> Anyone just reading the resolution, it makes it right. sound like they didn't budget correctly. Yeah, it's pretty much um, it's the fringe benefit line for sure, the recycling materials, 100000 from the lease rental, and then the 57000 for the hot patch mix. So all those will not be offset anywhere else in their budget. Okay, great. And then I think you covered all my last questions, all my other questions, just simply um, last and least. I think the Common Council surprises me, and I don't serve on CCOC. So uh, those of you that serve on CCOC, was it was this an agenda item? Why were I've never seen the council go over budget for for meetings and postage because so many of us don't use our allotted annual account. Is it? Does anyone have more information about oh. ourselves and our fiscal restraint? So this is a net zero? Yeah. Okay. So it'll be so a net answer. zero. Oh, okay. That makes me feel a lot better. So, so just the expenditure line needs to be adjusted. Okay. Because, for example, every meeting I have relating to a development project, and I know this is true of many of us or all of us, we have the development team reimburse us. Mm-hmm. So are you saying, Betsy, that it is actually in that Everything's offset in this council over Okay, great. Wonderful. I won't lose sleep over it then. And then just lastly, since this is the final meeting of the Board of Estimates of the year, we hope, I think, <laughs> um, I do want to thank staff very much for their the very difficult um, trying situation that they've <laughs> uh, found themselves in this year in terms of being so short-staffed and the conversion to MUNIS, so I do want to thank all of you and I appreciate that four of you are are here tonight with us so thank you very much I actually just thought of one last question typically on this agenda um, we have Rob Phillips presenting us with um, and I know he was here earlier but he left uh, presenting us with the sewer utility rates and the stormwater utility rates and the um, perhaps any changes to the landfill rates at this meeting so that they go into effect by New Year's Day on the municipal services bill could someone give me an update on I'm sure that we're adding, we're increasing it based on the adopted operating budget. The rates are, are changing, aren't they? Are, are so it's a little later than prior years? Yep. So they won't go into effect New Year's Day. It will be a delayed implementation. Okay. Thank you very much. And again, thank you, everybody. I just want to add, there is one more thing on the um, resolution in addition to the year-end appropriation. There's an adjustment to the 2016 adopted capital budget. Mm -hmm. 
um, to uh, authorize $224,000 of geo borrowing for the fiber and wireless network project that should have been reauthorized from a prior year. So we're just making that adjustment. Thank you. Alderman Rommel. My first year on the Board of Estimates, and so I don't know um, if we've discussed this or if it's a trend or if it's just normal, but can we talk about retirements and do we project in the future this is growing or is this sort of a typical pattern? just like to learn some more about it. Um, I, I think I said this earlier. Um, these are sort of adjustments by agency overall. When we look at the entire um, sort of planned city expenditures or expected city expenditures for what we call sick leave escrow payments. That's when somebody retires and the uh, value of their sick leave is converted to um, a dollar amount that then is put into account an account for them to pay for post-retirement health insurance. Uh, overall, we're under what we budgeted. We budgeted about $2.6 million for 2015, and we're anticipating it will be about $2.4 million for the year. But in some of these agencies, they're above the amounts that were uh, sort of allocated to them from that pool uh, in the budget originally. But I think our retirements, uh, from what I've heard from HR, they haven't, you know, they spiked in 2011, 2012, and you know, they've sort of returned to a normal pattern since then. So we're not anticipating any demographic changes in our staff? Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, there are people, there's retirements happening every year. We're seeing quite a bit of, of turnover. I would, you know, I would probably venture to guess that the average age of the city workforce is beginning to fall. Um, so we are seeing retirements occurring on a regular basis. Just in the finance department is a very good example. We've had quite a bit of change um, there over the last five years. So. But you're saying overall we're, we're budgeting accurately for it. Yeah, so we were very close this year within $200,000. But we have we've typically been conservative in that line, and now we're getting much and much closer, you know, much closer to that number. So, um, you know, I would anticipate that that pressure will continue for the next several years. figure that if we overestimate budgeting for retirement, it means that there are a couple of folks that we thought would retire who don't. We can't identify them because it's just a percentage of the workforce based on age. But you've got to figure, okay, they're going to retire in the next few years, in which case uh, we'll have to budget a bit more. Thank you. Alder McKinney. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Um, I'd like to, since this is our last board meeting, um, I do want to also add my appreciation to the Finance Committee for the tremendous amount of support that you have given this board. Um, challenging indeed, but you always um, rose to the occasion, so I commend you on that. And um, even though um, Alder uh, DeMar is not here, I also want to um, add my support because this is my first time being on the board. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. <laughs> and um, also the, this experience, um, but the opportunities for learning the process that she um, made sure that we, we knew that. I am eternally grateful, grateful to her as well. Alderman Esker. Well, I just have a question. We're so thankful that this is our last meeting, but I see a special meeting on December 1st at 6.30 in Legistar. Is that correct? So we're issuing um, 
water utility revenue bonds that day. So that's simply a meeting uh, for you to approve, this, um, in effect, the sale of those revenue bonds, and then that will be um, approved by the council that evening. Okay. Thank you. Ten-minute meeting. Perfect. Further discussion? Seeing none. Uh, vote on approving the approval. Yeah, I a vote on 19. Yeah, yeah, that's okay, too. You do have a motion, correct? Mm -hmm. So on the question of approving 19, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Move to adjourn. Give okay. a second. Not debatable. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. <laughs> Did it pretty good. Nice work, you guys. Nice. I will see you all. Happy Buddha, Mr. Lewis.